If I allow a device to make my decisions for me, I am therefore using my agency to allow that device to do that for me. So therefore, I'm actually being acted upon and not acting. And I'm letting the technology act for me. Who's the drone? Is it my phone or is it me? (laughs) I'm the person that does what my phone tells me to do. Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangin. So let's get into it. Hi, this is Benoit, your host of the Solar Maverick Podcast. The podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar developer and consulting firm. Our website's www.renewenergy.com. That's www.reneuenergy.com. I'm excited on this episode of the podcast to actually do something different. It's actually a pilot episode of a new podcast that I'm developing with Spencer from Enerflow. We're not actually doing a solar podcast. We're doing a podcast about general topics that we find interesting. If you don't know Spencer, he is the co-founder of Enerflow. And Enerflow is revolutionizing the residential sales process. He was on episode 128 of the Solar Maverick podcast. This is the first episode of the pilot, and then we'll be having a separate podcast that we're still trying to figure out a name. And if you have a suggestion, let us know. We would also love to hear your feedback. What we're doing is going to tape five episodes before we actually release the podcast. Any feedback that you have about this or any other episodes of Solar Maverick Podcast, please email us at info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at R-E-N-E-U energy.com. And I also wanted to personally invite our listeners who we call Mavericks to the Renew Energy and Solar Maverick podcast holiday party networking event that we're doing it with the young professionals in energy of New York City and women in renewable energy in New Jersey. It's going to be this coming Thursday, December 1st from 6 to 10 o'clock at Hudson Hall, which is in Jersey City, New Jersey. I am also one of the partners of Hudson Hall, our owners, and it's a Czech beer garden smokehouse. It'll be a lot of fun, and we've already had a great response, meaning RSVP, to this event. It's free to attend, and there'll be plenty of food for all who are attending. And there's always an after party as well that we're organizing right now which will be from 10 p.m. onwards on December 1st at Golden Cicada, which is another bar within walking distance. If you're interested in attending the event, we'll have the Eventbrite link in the notes of the podcast. Also, I would like to thank some of our sponsors for this event. It is USI, which is an insurance brokerage company that's sponsoring the event, and Schwerd Consulting, who I've interviewed Steve many times. They're an engineering and consulting firm. And we also have some other to-be-named sponsors that we're negotiating with right now. So again, we're having a holiday party networking event for our Mavericks. That's what we call our listeners. The Eventbrite's going to be on the notes of the podcast. It's this coming Thursday, December 1st from 6 to 10 o'clock. And I obviously will be there. There'll be a lot of people we interview on the podcast and also listeners as well. Look forward to seeing you on Thursday, December 1st. I really appreciate you listening to this episode of the Solar Maverick Podcast. Let's get into it. This is the pilot episode, the number one podcast. Spotify is going to basically have an exclusive 100-year contract, $100 million contract. But Spencer, what I was thinking is like, I thought the internet will basically allow people to make better decisions. 
because there's so much information out there and people would be educated. This is kind of going back to your point, but it's actually made people dumber. A lot of people dumber, but there's still people who've gotten a lot smarter from it, right? I hope there are. I hope they are. But let's just look at this for a second. It's because convenience makes, in my opinion, anybody can argue against it. Not argue, challenge the idea, debate it. I'm cool with that. I can be wrong. Convenience makes people weak. Yes. Gives you a crutch. When you stop using your muscles, you actually go into atrophy. If you're not maintaining, you're either growing or diminishing with your biological body. Same with your mind and everything else that you do, your spirit, everything. You're going like this. And then people will be like, oh, Spencer, well, you can maintain your weight in this game. You can, but really the delta is a lot smaller. But you're still going up and down. You're still doing this all the time. We're never in a place in life where we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Never. You're either growing and contributing or you're digressing and you're withdrawing, you're taking. Like look at Google Maps, for example. Before Google Maps, you're old enough, my age or younger or older, whatever, but like Google Maps, before that, how did you get around? Like you had to go on a trip to another state. What did you do? You took a map, you studied that map. It's interesting you mentioned this, by the way, Spencer, because not to go off topic, but since the age of 14, I worked for my parents' businesses. My dad had a lighting company. One of the things that I would do once I turned 17 was I would drive a van 12 to 14 hours a day all over the Northeast of the United States doing deliveries. What we would do is like the first hour or two, I would be studying the maps and under line by line directions, which helps now because sometimes the Google Maps does not work or it's not correct or ways, you know what I mean? And I know like just logically, hey, 95 is north, south. This is east, west, 78. This is actually the faster way or not. Oh my gosh, you don't know how many conversations I've got with Lyft or Uber drivers when I'm coming home and they're saying, oh, well, Google Maps says this is a faster way. I'm like, no, the faster way is this. Do not listen. But they're yeah. so stuck on the app oh. that they don't listen and they, they still can't follow. deviate and they'll just follow that. But that's the problem. We're creating a bunch of lemmings or drones and they <laughs> just follow. They're like, that's the arrow. And it says, go here. So I'm going to go here. My social media, Instagram says, do this. I'm going to do that yeah. because we're wiring everybody to not be critical thinkers. Yeah. So it's like before then we had to get maps. We had to study the maps. And I freaking love that you did that. And your parents taught you the value of work at a young age. My parents did the same thing. I had a paper out when I was 10 years old. Yeah. Got up before I did the paper. You talk to my kids today, paper out like, what is that? And it was like, I was like, get out of here. Go live your privileged life. Like, I'm trying to teach them how to work. But it's like, so back to the maps, because I diverge a lot in my conversation. Back to the maps, you had to learn the map. You had to know where you were going. You had to think about things. You had to like spatial recognition. You had to memorize stuff. You had to use your brain. And now all you have to do is just follow this. That's all you have to do. But then go back to the internet. All right, cool. Now anybody can be an authority. Anybody can write an article. Anybody can take a picture. Anybody can doctor a picture. You used to have to go to school to be a journalist. And yet there was ethics and all these kind of things. I can write. We're doing it right now. We're creating a podcast. Yeah. I can write whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can publish whatever I want. Then it can be consumed by billions of people if you do your marketing right or if you get into the right channels. That is terrifying because now you're getting people out there that because they're not an expert, they just have influence, which is power. They yield that power, but because of ignorance or lack of training or nefarious designs, they're going a whole different route. And all of these people, not because they're bad people, not because they're dumb. It's just because, hey, that's what you do now. You follow the maps. You just follow that arrow. If that arrow says take a right, you take a right. Even if the guy behind you has lived in this neighborhood for 80 years and says, I promise you, go straight. Like, no, 
Google says take a right, so I'm gonna take a right. But that's what we've done. So now like critical. But that thinking, shows you that's laziness, think. right? That's laziness of the yeah. mind, right? I'm from this area. I'm telling you, follow my lead, but you're stuck. And by the way, it wasn't a kid. It was a guy in his fifties or sixties. I'm gonna sound like a real like conspiracy theorist right now, but it's like you give up control. So I'm gonna sound like I don't know, a Bolshevik revolutionist or something like that, but you give up some freedoms or the ability, your agency for convenience. And you can apply that in all kinds of things, whether on a political stage, a religious stage, or whatever. You can do it all kinds of places, but just with technology. If I allow a device to make my decisions for me, I am therefore using my agency to allow that device to do that for me. So therefore, I'm actually being acted upon and not acting. And I'm letting the technology act for me. Who's the drone? Is it my phone or is it me? (laughs) I'm the person that does what my phone tells me to do. I consume the content that my phone, every time I open this thing, it's like, hey, this is an article you should read. Hey, you should look at this. Other times you're like, hey, I'm going to go on a flight to Chicago. I bet if I open my phone right now, it'll probably pull up stuff for Chicago flights because they're like listening to you. Hey, stop listening to me. And it's all at our fingertips. And then these algorithms are deciding what we consume, what we look at. And then what they're ultimately doing because you're a sponge. And if your sponge gets saturated with other people's information they decided to send you, guess what you're not getting? The information that you want because you're saturated and you can't bring it in. And so it's like, okay, cool. So that's one of the main reasons I don't consume other people's media. And if I want to figure something out, then I go and research it myself. I mean, I do get, you know, this is what happened to Ukraine today and this was going on in the stock market. I mean, I have that kind of stuff, but I try not to let other groups, regardless of sides or angles or whatever, influence me. I want to influence myself. I want to have my own decisions. I want to think on my own. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of ways that people can look at it, but that's why I don't actively post on social media. I don't go on Instagram. I just do Twitter a little bit, just consume some stuff there. I think differently on this point. I think today everyone has to be or try to be an influencer because the influencer has power. The Solar Maverick podcast is one of the most popular podcasts in solar. And it's just amazing to me, like how that has an impact on people to going into solar in a positive way. But me and my marketing team and my brand person are trying to basically make me, I mean, I'm already an influencer in the solar industry. So I have to post on social media because that's how you get power by whether the type and quantity of people are listening and absorbing your content. Even though I'm not absorbing other people's content, only certain people that I respect. Yeah, I think, oh no, no. And I actually agree with that. You can be like, hey, I wish it was the 1950s. You know, social media has ruined our lives and technology has ruined our lives. So I'm going to go stick my head in the sand like an ostrich. That's actually not going to do anything for you. So I agree with you. We need to do is we need to pick and choose who we allow to and what we allow to influence us. I totally Um, agree with you on that point. And so it's just like, oh, I'm an influencer. There's so many people out there. like, look at Instagram. It's like, why? Everyone thinks they're an influencer. Every girl thinks they're an Instagram model. Yeah, yeah. She's like, oh yeah, you see, I swear you just walk out in any neighborhood or any tourist attraction, you're going to see some girl doing some kind of pose and either a girl or her boyfriend is or husband taking pictures of her. She's going to become an influencer. And most of them, why are the influencers? They're like, those are really attractive. They're taking their clothes off. What are a lot of these influencers? If you go, I would love to see a study like the social media influencers, like what categories they're in. Very attractive human being that wears very little clothes. Cool. 87% (laughs) of the market of influencers. Okay, the other 13% of influencers, what are they doing? I would love to understand that demographic breakdown. I think that information's out there. I'm sure we could find it. The other thing too, Spencer, what you're mentioning, have you seen on Netflix that Facebook documentary 
where basically with the algorithms, Facebook's feeding you what they think you want to keep you engaged on their platform? No, but that goes exactly along with my comment that I made. Like someone else is deciding how I think because they're pumping that information. You might as well have a neural link with Elon Musk and just like pump that right into the back of my skull because that's what you're doing. If I don't control what influences me, then those influences are going to control what I do basically and how I think. Hey, Spencer, I'm also into college football. I'm up for a college football podcast. Like, what would you want to talk about if you had a college football podcast? By the way, I live now between Jersey City and San Diego, and I think you're in SoCal as well, right? Oh, I actually moved to Utah nine months ago because I thought it was cheaper than Southern California, and it's really not. Yeah. Well, we could still do the podcast. You could follow BYU. I'll follow uh, USC. Bro, that's my team. I like USC. USC's great. They had a great guys. Why are we ruining college football? Why are we ruining college football? We're like, hey, we're going to, you know, because the Big Ten come in. Let's take the USC and UCLA hasn't had a Texas, Arch Manning. 50 years. Nil deal. Yeah, just like all of these groups. But like you're ruining rivalries, you know? Yeah. That's why college football is so amazing. It's the tradition. It's the rivalries. Yeah. I love that fall game where Notre Dame comes to Stanford or Notre Dame plays for USC. I love those games. And, you know, I love BYU versus Utah. I really enjoyed Texas and Texas A&M. A lot of them were one-sided, but really enjoyed those games. We're tearing college, not we, the conferences and money and networks are tearing college football apart and then amalgamizing it and putting it in different spots. But I'm like, guys, because like, oh, we got the new TV market. I'm like, bro, have you seen cable? Like, people are cutting cable. Yeah. Everybody's just going to stream these games in five or ten years anyway. Why do we even care? Just keep the rivalries alive. I'm just like, what are you doing? By the way, this goes back to another thing as well. We're all cutting cable, but to get the content we want, we have to subscribe to multiple things. I believe it's then more expensive than cable was. That's interesting. You have to get Disney Plus, you have to get ESPN Plus, you have to get Netflix, Hulu to get certain content that you used to get all on cable, you know? Yeah, so we should just have a service where it's just like pick the channels you want, the shows that you want, and then you just pay whether it's 50 cents a show or a dollar a show. And then that's what you pay monthly. And you're like, I, that's what I get. And you just build it. Yeah. I'm sure there's something out there like that already. Well, Sling's kind of like that because these big companies, they're all about eyeballs. And it's like, oh, well, I have this many viewerships and this many subscriptions. And it's like, well, but it's always going to change. I'm sure it will get to some point where you've got the the kayaks of the world for online hotels and flights and stuff. You'll get that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's been wild. But it's getting different with NIL. And I think NIL is a good thing. But it's getting different where it's becoming like a AAA, you know, for baseball. But don't you think the NCAA is just taking too much money from the players? I agree with you that the no deals or NILs are pretty crazy. And I don't know, but I still love college football. Even if you think about the national championship game between Alabama and Georgia, it was amazing. And how close it was. And there's going to be certain teams that are going to be consistently strong, like your California, your Texas teams, because of the money that's coming into the States. Nick Saban's already complaining that he can't compete with these schools. Nick Saban. <laughs> the cry baby. <laughs> I love Nick Saban, but you know. He's incredible. I wonder if he would do that well if he went to like a Fresno, San Diego State or something. Ooh, what about like San Diego State? I think San Diego State, right? It being in California, it being in SoCal. I guess it's you have UCLA. It's such an interesting thing. You would think San Diego playing a big stadium. I mean, they just got me statement like awesome market, but they're kind of apathetic about sports down there. It feels like that's why the Chargers left. But the Padres, um, trust me, San, the city has been lighting up now that I'm in San Diego because the Padres are playing well. You know, 
and it's the only sport in town. Yeah, well, everybody's forced to go to it, but I don't know if it's that apathy or what, but yeah, you would think that should have been a USC and the UCLA. It should have been that quality. They're doing better things. You know, San Diego State's in the Mountain West, and when they had Rocky Long, they were doing really well. I don't know how they've been under Brady Hoke as much. I feel like they're always in the top. Well, Utah State depends, but it's usually like Boise, Utah State, Fresno, and San Diego. So who's the most popular player, Spencer, from San Diego State? Marshall Falk. How about a quarterback from San Diego State whose brother was extremely popular in another professional sport? His brother would have been a Hall of Famer in baseball, but he was part of the steroid era. Oh, is it? As a leading authority in the solar industry, life gets very busy. In addition to traveling the world as a speaker and for my entrepreneurial ventures, I'm a son, friend, investor, and entrepreneur. And when it comes to delivering a great sounding show for my listeners, I choose Podcast Laundry. All I have to do is record and send and the rest is done. They do the dirty work of podcasting for me. Yes, social media graphics, quotes, show notes, master editing, and much more. All I have to do is record. So if you're a busy podcaster like me with an engaged audience and want to free up your time to do more of what you you love like going to the gym or spending time with loved ones go to podcastlaundry.com to schedule your consultation or call 347-871-8273 that's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273 mark mcguire mark mcguire's mark mcguire's brother dan mcguire played for san diego state and was one of the better quarterbacks in san diego state history that's pretty cool. Yeah, McGuire played for USC baseball. Oh, I didn't even know and that. I'm pretty sure my uncle played with him. My uncle's a catcher. Yeah. The Bash brothers, Jose and Mark, those yeah. Oakland those, those are the days. Yeah, I love those two guys. I'm a I Yankee Sammy fan. Sosa. Oh, explains a lot. <laughs> Hopefully positive. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to be in a suite this Saturday, Spencer, with Brian Cashman and Tino Martinez. Really? Yeah. I'll send you yeah, pictures. Cool. Do it. Do it. I'm rad. But I love um, Sammy, too. Oh, yeah. You love Sammy? Yeah. When I was a kid, the whole home run chase between him and McGuire yeah. made baseball. Right, that was, wasn't that just so magical? It was magical. Like, you were glued. Everybody was like, you would check the paper. You would check you know, the show. You were glued because everyone, they were chasing it. They were chasing it. And he'd jack one. And then he would jack two. And then he would whiff for three games. And he'd jack one. And they were just like, it was this. Elect- I don't care if they're juicy or not. It was so great. And that they were rooting for each other, you know what I mean? It wasn't, like, competitive, and they would be hugging. Even Barry Bonds, too. I mean, this is my whole thing. I believe every player is taking some sort of performance enhancement that's more advanced than the testing. But unfortunately, they get caught. Honestly, like, I don't know if you've been following with the Padres, but Tatis Jr., is now suspended the whole season for a PED. Is it really? I don't know if it's really that extreme, you know what I mean? And then to just say he can't play the rest of the season is a little bit crazy because I believe all of them, all athletes are taking some performance enhancements. Yeah. You make a rule, follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, there's accountability, and I'm a big proponent of that. But at the same time, it's like if something's not going to hurt their bodies, like hurt them, because you can take creatine, you can take glutamine, you can take a bunch of yeah. other things, but there's just certain yeah. things you can't take. So it's like, why can't you take them? And it's like, well, it creates an unfair advantage. Then make it available to everybody. I mean, will you tell me that all professional players can't afford an injection of something? They're all making plenty of money. I'm sure that their front office probably just gives it to them. But don't you Um, think players like Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, before we knew they took HGH, you could see they were so skinny back in the day. They would have been Hall of Famers anyway, right? 
even if yeah. they didn't take him. A guy like Ken Griffey Jr., who I love, he, by the age of 35 to 37, his play declined pretty quickly because yeah. it seemed like he wasn't taking any of those substances. I agree. It's an interesting thing. I'm an Angels fan. Anaheim or LA Angels? Bro, Anaheim, they're stupid. <laughs> like, bro, your stadium is in Anaheim. Yes. Like, hey, we're the LA Angels. Really? Yeah, we want to talk about it's a better market. Okay, first off, you're in Orange County. You're not in LA County. Two, you're not in LA. You're in Anaheim. Three, there was a movie made about the Anaheim Angels. You're right next to Disneyland. I don't think you need any more branding for people to know that you're Anaheim Angels. They're like, oh, we're the LA Angels. No, you're not. Like, I don't even listen to it. I'm just like, you're Anaheim Angels. Shut your mouth. Did the LA Angels win the World Series? No, was it? I don't even remember. I'm pretty sure it was Anaheim. Some fact checker is going to listen to this. (laughs) We're going to have one person that's going to listen to this, and they're going to listen to that. That Spencer's full of crap, dude. I can't listen to anything he says. He doesn't even know his own team. By the way, what do you think they should do with Otani? What do you think they should do with Otani? I think he's so talented. He's a generation player. He could go down as the very best player of baseball ever. Yeah. I took my boys to the first baseball game. Got them some good seats. Shohei jacked two home runs in that game. Yeah. And watch my kid's eyes just like, just, it was just so cool. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, Trout right now is like, they call him the goat, even though yeah. he has a hard time staying healthy. But you have two of the very best. It's like you have Jordan and LeBron on your team. Yeah, for sure. Like you have two of the very best baseball players to maybe ever play the game on your team. I mean, Shohei so has got a lot of road ahead of him because he pitches at an elite level. Crap, he steals bases at an elite level. <laughs> he does everything at an elite level. I think he's fast, he's powerful. And when he hits the ball, it's like no one hits the ball like him. When he hits a home run, when I watch other guys hit the home runs, you're just like, oh, he hit a home run, he hit it. When he hits a home run, you're just like, I don't know, is that ball ever coming down? I don't know. But he's no Aaron Judge, for sure, when it comes to hitting home runs. <laughs> Watching Aaron Judge hit home runs is a little different level. You're right about him and Trout. They're incredible, but really it's just like, guys, you have two talent, most talented players. Get better coaching and get a good culture. Get a good culture. That's what it's about. Guys will play hard on a team because they love the guys next to them and they want to play hard. If not, then it's a job. And if it's a job, then they take less risks. They put less effort in because it's a job. But if they love the guy next to them and they want to battle with them, then they're going to go. And those people, I feel like that all comes down to culture and to leadership and sacrifice and putting others first. Pitching wins championships as well. And I think the other thing you mentioned about the whole, you have two of the best players, but in baseball, you have a lot more players than the the NBA. You're doing the LeBron comparison, but there's five people on that court, right? Versus, and the pitcher has the biggest influence. So pitching, I believe. Pitching is such an integral part, but I still hold to culture. You could have a Sure, it starts with culture. It starts with your ownership, right? Yeah. Look at the Jets or the Bears in football. Look at the Patriots. I was going to call them the Redskins, but what are the commanders? (laughs) The commanders. Look at Dan Schneider. Look at Patriots weren't good until Robert Kraft came. Yeah, it starts there. It really starts with the front office. In any company. Yeah, it starts with the front office and then the coach. If there's magic there, then the rest of it goes. And if there's not, all these guys are professionals. You can do it. I mean, look what the A's did back, you know, Moneyball. Billy Bean. Well, this is fun. So yeah, this is the first pilot episode of the Spencer and Benoit podcast. We should actually have it as an appendix to our solar podcast tomorrow and see what people think. I actually think it sounds great. I like it. I'm going to need to get better lighting. So everybody who's like clowning on me right now because your lighting sucks, your sound sucks, Spencer. It's like, I apologize. Probably going to miss my flight right now. But hey, I'm not going to miss the inaugural pilot of our podcast. For sure. 
It's definitely really good. I'll let you go to try to catch that flight. Why did you turn your camera off? I just noticed probably five minutes ago, I was like, oh, I'm the only person with the camera on. I'm looking at myself. I was like, where's Ben Oda this whole time? For some reason, I don't see you. You don't see me? Yeah. I just see talking Spencer. Oh, no. Go to your Oh, now I see you. Okay, now I see you. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I thought you were on audio, so I turned off my video like, 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. No, I've been just, just chatting with myself. Everyone's like, who's Ben Oga? I'm just like, I don't know. But guys, I'm the face of the podcast now. My podcast. I'm the face of bad lighting. <laughs> we got to do a whole photo shoot, maybe at Anaheim. We'll do a photo oh, shoot yeah. for our new podcast. So where did you move to now? Where do you live? So I live in Jersey City, which is like yeah. right across the water from New York. And then I also bought a commercial space for our team in San Diego and has a loft. It's a work loft space. So I live in the law. That's the way you got to do it. I've always wanted to move to Southern California. I mean, actually, I love Orange County the best, like Laguna. But I thought San Diego, I don't know. I like it better than Los Angeles. But I do miss the sort of New York City feel that Los Angeles has compared to San Diego. But San Diego is beautiful. It's next to Mexico. It's got a different, more of a hippie hipster vibe or something. Uh, For sure. It's closer to Portland and LA is closer to New York. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's why LA feels like home. But I thought I should try something different because I've been in the New York tri-state area, originally from the Bronx. Go Yankees, Giants, Knicks. I feel like everybody from that area, that's like their tagline. Rangers, Rangers. How can I forget the Rangers? Are you a Taylor ham or a pork roll? Oh, that is a great question. You know, so I have a house actually in the Jersey Shore in Seager, and I call it Taylor Ham. I don't know where's this pork roll thing coming from. It's like the southern part of New Jersey thinks it's pork. Okay, I love, so for by the way, you, Taylor Ham. All of you listeners out there, especially from the West Coast, let me just clue you in on something. I went to New Jersey like a year ago, and I found out that almost battles and wars have been fought over what we call baloney, basically. It's better than baloney. Taylor, Come on. <laughs> yeah, it is better than baloney, but I was just trying to give a frame of reference called Taylor Ham. There's legitimately like a line in the state. You go north of that line, Taylor Ham. You go south of that line, and it's pork roll. People are like, I thought Benoit's a really cool guy. I'm going to vote for him for governor. And they're like, oh, no, he called it Taylor Ham. I would never vote for someone who called it Taylor Ham because those people are stupid. That's like how it gets way more intense than that. It does. So, like, I'll go into a sandwich shop over in New Jersey, and I do this Benoit on purpose. Then I walk up and I'm like, can I get a Taylor Roll pork ham sandwich? <laughs> and he's like, they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I hear it's really good. Like a Taylor Roll pork ham sandwich. You put some cheese on it with the bologna and you put the bread and you toast it and stuff and maybe some eggs. They're like, they look at me. They're like, you are the dumbest human being that's ever existed. <laughs> yeah. And I just do it to mess with them because I'm like, hey, guys. And if I know I'm in pork roll territory, I'll call it Taylor ham. And if I know deep into Taylor Ham, you know, territory, I'll call it pork roll. I like watching people, watching their face, like get a little twitch because they're trying to provide customer service. It almost goes back to like segregation, racism. They're like, get out of my store. Yeah, the Mason Dixon line like for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. And it's like the Mason Dixon line of New Jersey. By the way, there's shirts, there's signs about this. I'll be down the Jersey Shore this weekend. And I'll make sure to buy some shirts and signs and send it to you. Are you like medium or large? What shirt size? Depends on the cut, but medium or large. I think large again. is better because if it shrinks, you know. Yeah, it's always going to give me a large and then I'll just have to eat enough pork roll Taylor ham to fill it out. Well, I know the best places in New Jersey. So, you know, happy yeah. to like take you the next time. And I have giant season tickets, by the way. Who's your football team, by the way? Or do you have an NFL team? I know you're a big college guy. I mean, really into college. Really, it's where my college guys go. Yeah. So right now, Zach Wilson, 
with all the exciting things that goes around him, I have to root for the Jets a little oh. bit. I do like his old roommate, Dax Milne, so I have to root for the Commanders. Cousin Lance, my wife's cousin, yeah. John Beck, he played for the Redskins back in the oh, day. Oh, yeah, he was good. Dolphins. Yeah, he's good. My true favorite team from back in the day, childhood, is the 49ers. Oh, so, me too. I love the 49ers. Fred Warner plays for the 49ers, best linebacker in the NFL. By the um, way, my friend from NYU, I went to Stern, his neighbor in California is Steve Young. Really? And they've become close friends. He's, he's like, but no, you have to come over you. and hang out with Steve Young. I'm like, I got to make the time. <laughs> Bro, that's when you just drop what you're doing. Oh, for sure. Hang out with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Especially, I love Steve Young. Massive venture fund. He's a good human being. The other thing, if you come to New York, we could go to a Jets game, even though I'm not a Jets fan. Also, I'm invited to an event in the beginning of December in New York City, and I could bring guests with Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson. What? Yes. So, you know, I got the hookups here. So if you're interested. You do. I was actually going to plan one or two because I want to go out there and see Venture and then a couple other people out there. Names I probably shouldn't be dropping on this podcast. Millions of people are going to listen to this episode. Um, <laughs> but there's a couple of groups I want to go out there and uh, maybe visit, just your wife and kids. Can't be home for bedtime. The thing that causes the most strain in marriages for people that travel for work, I'm like convinced of it. If you can make it, you can do whatever you want during the day. But if you can make it home to get little kids into bed, that's true. The wife's fine. If you don't, <laughs> well. <laughs> That's a completely different conversation. And everybody that's listening to this that has little kids that knows exactly what I'm talking about. So I guess you use the private jet all the time, right? Thanks for lending it to me. <laughs> yeah, Remember so that billion really dollars nice for the charity? It's coming from me actually directly. Yeah, Illinois is the benefactor. I get to use this jet whenever I want. I don't even have to pay for the gas. I just have to tip the stewardesses and the pilot. Yeah. I get $100 an hour. What is the minimum wage? I just try to give them on top of minimum wage. Well, minimum wage is a lot higher than $10. <laughs> it's is over it? 20 uh, now. Oh, wow. Remember when you have to pay someone 25 or over to get them interested in working. That's insane. Yeah, this is another fun story I'm going to tell you real quick. Then I have to go. I have a flight I have to catch, but I have to tell you the story now. Minimum wage when I was growing up was 425 and then it went to like 575 or 550 or whatever. And when I graduated high school, it was, they were talking about making it the $7 range or whatever. Like they were pushing that envelope. Four or five bucks an hour. It was like insane. But also things cost a lot less money back then. Remember when you could go to Taco Bell and get burritos for 29, 39 uh, cents? No, I don't even remember that. Maybe I was in New York City. So. Oh, I guess they didn't have Taco Bell in New York City. But this people are like, he eats Taco Bell. He's so ghetto. Hey guys, look, I know it was horse meat or whatever, but I ate it because it was cheap. And I eat Taco Bell now. I think it tastes amazing. I do like traditional Mexican food, but Taco Bell, oh, yeah. it's the spot. You just got to get a Taco Bell fix. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. go in and get a little chalupa or get yourself a Crunchwrap Supreme. Oh, you're good. Anyway, <laughs> I was just like, I'm just making myself hungry. We're going on the flight. But anyway, so I wanted to earn some more money. So my buddy is like, dude, have you seen those people that hold stop signs? And I was like, where? What? He's like, yeah, the people that hold stop signs, Yeah, you know, in traffic, they stand there with a hard hat and the whole, they make 18 bucks an hour. I was like, what? I'm like 18 years old. I was like, they make $18 an hour. And I was going to go be a bus boy or something and make like five or six. And I was yeah. like, dude, sign me up. So we went, got certified. You had to buy your own stop sign, by the way. I had to buy <laughs> my own hard hat, my own stop sign. They didn't give them to you. And then you had to work for a certain period before you could get in the union. Yeah. Well, you started getting the $20 an hour range, 20 something. So it's like, you're going to buy a house and retire when you're 30. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And so I was like, cool. And there's all these old dudes. There's no women there. 
There might have been one in the background somewhere, but there's just these old dudes. They're all in their 40s. They probably were all in their 30s, but they look like they were 50 to 60 years old. <laughs> You're holding okay? a stop That's sign all day. No, like the cars going by you, the exhaust, the reflection from the cars, they're getting cooked, asphalt. Yeah, they were probably 25 and they looked like they were about to retire. So anyway, I get out there on my first day, okay? I got my stop sign. I'm all excited. I'm like, I'm going to make a hundred something dollars today. It's incredible. My supervisor comes up. He's like, Spencer, stand right here. Don't move. I'll send him over on the walkie, flip the sign. When I send it back, you flip the sign. I figured out real fast that I need to move. I can't stand in one spot. Yeah. I also figured out that I like to go to the bathroom or get snacks. And you can't do that either when you're holding a stop sign in a construction zone. You can't move at all. So my hat's off to those people, men and women, that can do that job. Because I physically and mentally mostly can't do that job. I can't do it. I lasted one day, one day. At the end of the day, I was like, yeah, I'm out. I'm not doing this. And it's the only job I've ever quit because I was like, I can't do this. I don't want to do sure. it. It's the only one. But I was like, I couldn't do it. There's the cars. And I was like, dude, I got to pee. He's like, yeah, it's not break time yet. I don't know if he's hazing me or what. I was like, Aren't there, I'm like 18 years old. I'm like, can I go to the bathroom? What are my rights? Like, I didn't know. Just this old union guys that scared the living crap out of me. And I was just like, very first day, couldn't go to the bathroom, couldn't get anything to eat or drink. I was parched. And I was like, this isn't worth it. I'd literally rather go dig ditches than a construction crew. So that's actually what I did. I started working construction and then busting tables. That's interesting. They probably hazed you. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure I was getting hazed. You could do anything in the 90s. That was like 99. People were like, what, 99? Like, yeah, 99. <laughs> anyway, now I'm legitimately going to miss my flight. Really excited about it, but it's been fantastic. Can't wait for tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. It was a great interview. I'll talk to you soon. Have a safe flight. Excited for tomorrow version of the podcast. All right, thanks. I'm really looking forward to it. Thanks, man. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Solar Maverick Podcast. The Solar Maverick Podcast is brought to you by Renew Energy. We're a solar development and consulting firm. If you believe that this podcast is adding value to you, please give us a five-star review and share with those that you think could benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and feedback to info at renewenergy.com. That's I-N-F-O at reneuenergy.com. The Solar Maverick Podcast is produced by Podcast Laundry and executive produced by Benoit Thangen and Kevin Y. Brown. 